0: Good morning, let me just ask you this question, who is ready for a new beginning? Like it's the new year, it's 2017, you're ready for some new? Seven people on this side are. Anybody else? Hey, let me just tell you, I am excited about this message series that we're headed into called Free Indeed. Um, I I really believe, and I honestly believe this, and I I think this is a really, really big statement. Uh, most of you have been in church most of your life. Uh, and, I, and so, I, I, therefore, I want to qualify this. I think this is a really, really big statement. I really believe if you really listen to the heart of this teaching, it will revolutionize your life. I honestly believe that. That's not just a gimmicky preacher statement. Uh, from the youngest of you to the oldest of you in here, uh, I really believe that this is a teaching uh, that you have probably uh, never really heard before. It's never really been presented uh, in this way. And I just really believe if you really, if you will honestly listen. And so I just want to ask you this. Uh, and, and also those of you that are watching online, can we just pause for a second? Can you just give it up for all those folks that are watching online this morning? Come on. Yeah. Uh, God's doing a great work through our online presence. And so, uh, so let me just speak to them just really quick. If, if you're just watching online and you've been watching online for a few weeks, I wanna challenge you uh, to get into a local church. Maybe you don't live here in Warner Robins. <clears throat> it's worth the drive. It's worth the drive. Like, I don't care. It's worth the drive here. But, but if you're not within driving distance, you need to get into a Bible-believing, life-giving church. You need to be somewhere where you can be around God's people. Right, church? Come on, like there's nothing better than being here. The worship this morning was amazing. The presence of God is strong and it's because God's people, haven't, we haven't invited in the Holy Spirit. He is in your life and you brought him in with you. And so if you're not in a local church, get, get in one. But I'll tell you this, if, if, if you will make me this commitment, be here for the next three Sundays. Be here for the next three Sundays and really honestly listen to, not to me, to what God has to say, I really believe uh, if, if you will uh, come and listen and, and open your heart, I think God will speak to you in a new and a fresh way unlike he ever has before. I really I really mean that. We're also entering into our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And when JP welcomed us a minute ago, I remember when him and Hannah first came <clears throat> and I remember them jumping right into uh, the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, many of us have probably never fasted before, and so that may be a little bit intimidating to you. JP said it best, he articulated this so well. For the next 21 days, give up something that is important to you. What, what, whatever, like, whatever that is. Uh, for some of you, when you're thinking about fasting, it's going on a 21-day fast, no food. Like That is an option. Uh, for some of you who are more spiritually mature and you've fasted before, I would really consider that as an option. But but maybe maybe your thing that is important to you is you have your routine, you get up, you watch the news, you come home from work, you watch like whatever, like give up TV or give up social media. I, 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 I hate to ask you to give up social media because I'm gonna be on there every day talking about our fast. So just give up everything else but that. Um, but But whatever it is that's important to you that you put a focus on, Give that up, but let me tell you, there's a reason to give that up. Because you're saying, God, I feel like this is something in the world that's important to me, and I want to give that up because you're more important. And I want to focus on you. And so we have created some tools for you. One is this basic steps to fasting and praying. And in here, it's gonna tell you about how to set objectives. We gave this out last week. I've been talking about it on social media all week. You can go, uh, go back and watch some of those videos. Uh, but set an objective, um, know how to prepare yourself physically, spiritually, uh, all that's in here. But when you're in the fast, uh, Satan's going again to, uh, to attack you, and so you need to know how to get through your fast. It's in here. And then how do you end a fast? Uh, so if you do go 21 days without any food, uh, just some liquid nutrients, uh, then uh, you're gonna need to know how to end that fast physically, properly, so that, and, but all that, all that is in here. And so you'll definitely want to be a part of this, and so, uh, so grab this guide, but probably more importantly than that is we've also created this 21-day daily devotional. And so every morning at six o'clock, uh, you can go to westsidega.com, should be there on the homepage, but you can go to our live stream, Uh, It'll be there, but that also live streams to our West Side Facebook page, not my page, but to the West Side Facebook page. And so you can be able to pray with me live every morning. Now, let me tell you why we do that. Uh, Just like I told the folks watching online this morning, there's something about being in the presence of God's people. But listen, when we can come together cooperatively, corporately, together, virtually, there's some power behind that, but we're still gonna get together every Saturday morning at nine. And can I just tell you, if, if your sacrifice is this, just be here every Saturday at nine, we'll be done by 10, you can go home. But, but I'm telling you, when we come together, and so you need to set an objective, that's the number one, Like there needs to be a purpose for your fast. And so as a church, if you wanna write this down, uh, this is the objective that I'm setting for us as a church. And I think after I get done preaching this message this morning, this will make a lot more sense to you. That we would be a church in 2017 that reaches lost and disconnected people. That's, that's what I'm calling our church to pray for. To fast forward, to give up for, to hear a word from God on how do we become a church that really reaches people that are disconnected from God. I talk about this all the time, but just to serve as a reminder, we live in a community, Middle Georgia, of 500,000 people, 300,000 which are disconnected from God. And God placed you here in such a timeline as this to be able to reach those people. Our heart, our prayer is is that every person throughout Middle Georgia would hear the gospel from the lips of someone from Westside Baptist Church. And so, I want you to join with me in praying. And how do we make that vision a reality? How do we really share the gospel? How do you share the gospel that God would give you insight and wisdom in how to share the gospel? And not to preach this message, but here's sharing the gospel. Can I give you a really, really easy way to share the gospel? Hey, come to me with church this Sunday. Will you come to church with me this Sunday? It's a very, very easy way. To share the gospel, because when I end the service today and when I end every service, we're going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. And so if you'll invite people to church, can I tell you, you're gonna you're gonna be there with them to invite them to Jesus. The thing that I'm praying for personally as pastor of our church is our church is doing well financially, but but shame on us, those of us that have been here for a while. Uh, Our church has a million dollar debt on this property. And there's a passage of scripture that goes something similar to this, that uh, those that are in debt are slave to the lender. We can't do the ministry that God's called us to do because of the debt uh, that this church continues to flounder around in. And so I am seeking God's wisdom in how do we get out of debt? Somebody said, do you think that God would do that in 2017? I hope so. But if not, would he at least give us a plan on how to get out of debt in the next three years? And so, I, and I think we can do that. I think, I think God can do that. And so I really want to seek God and his wisdom and how do we do that? So why is that a big deal? Why do we need to get out of debt? Most of us live our lives in debt. Why is that a big deal? Listen, we can do more ministry if we can take that money instead of applying it to this to apply it to the ministry. And if we can apply more money to ministry, we can do more ministry. And if we can do more ministry, we can reach more people that are disconnected and lost. And we can penetrate middle Georgia more effectively if we didn't have the debt. So that's my prayer. So if you want to join me in that, I am praying that God would give us wisdom in how uh, to get out of that. And so this 21 day devotional uh, will sort of hit on that every day, but I would encourage you to go through this. You need to set about 30 minutes a day uh, to really hear from God in this devotional. They're out here in the foyer. Uh, you can grab one of those uh, as you leave today. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to flip with me to Genesis chapter 2. Because here's what I want you to be able to do. I want you to be able to invite people to church, and it is a life-giving church. I want you to be able to invite people to a life-giving church. And so really what I'm going to do for the next four weeks is explain to you what a life-giving church is. What is the role of our church in really giving life and being sort of the presenter of what life is? I want to start with this passage of Scripture. It's not in Genesis, but we're going to come back to this passage. But God shows us his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, of the 300,000 plus people that are scattered throughout middle Georgia that are disconnected from God, right now as they live unconcerned about him, He has preemptively already died on the cross to cover their sins. And you know that he did that for you. Before you came to know him, he already gave his life for you. He already knew the sins that you were going to encounter. He already knew the troubles that you were going to experience. And so he gave his life for you so that you could live out of the abundance of his life so that you could give life to others. And so let me me explain it this way. Have you ever came into a church, and like maybe from the time you pulled up on the parking lot, when you came in the doors, when you you came in and sat down, you could just tell the presence of God was there. When the music began, you could just feel and experience the power in the presence of God. When the message was being proclaimed, you could feel the power in the presence of God. Likewise, you've been to a church. They sang the same songs, same passage of Scripture being preached. But you were like, when do we get done? <laughs> Have you ever been in that church? What's the difference? They're both church. They're both Christians. They sing the same songs. They preach out of the same Bible. Why is one so life-giving and the other not? Or, or maybe you've experienced this. Maybe, maybe the home that you grew up in or maybe you know of someone's home that is like this, but, but their home was encouraging, their parents were fulfilling, their parents were encouraging them to, to, to have careers and to live out God's plan, and, and they just set them up for life. Likewise, there's the other homes that many of us grew up in that, man, when you turned 17, you were ready to get out of the house because there was so much bickering and fighting and, and there was no encouragement, there was no life. Both homes, both homes with parents, a roof over their head, food in their belly, but the background of both of those is so different. Have you ever experienced that, those, those dynamic differences? What causes that? What causes those dynamic differences? What causes one church to be so, so full of life and the other just going through the motions? What causes a home to be encouraging and the other to just be, let me get out of here. I I really believe that those differences come down to these simple words. Life-giving versus not life-giving. There are some that are life-giving and there are some that are not. And I think that if you will really pay attention to what God is speaking today, that you will begin to understand that this all comes from which tree do we live out of. And so today is really a story of two trees. Today is really a story about some decisions that we make as we go throughout life. And how do we live life? And so if you've got your Bibles there, if you uh, look with me at uh, Genesis chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 8. And and it says here, and the Lord God planted a garden. All right, now now put put your sort of your visionary hats on with me, and just sort of envision this garden, just lush beauty. Think about all the fruits and vegetables and nuts and just all that the, the tree. Like not only was it aesthetically pleasing, but it was right to live in. There was the perfect temperature, the perfect weather. Just the, the, the image of perfection. And so God created a garden and he planted it in the east and there he put the man in whom he formed. So this greatest place that you could ever imagine, I was talking to some young guys before the service and we were talking about traveling and, and they said, what, what is the most beautiful place you've ever been to? Oh gosh, I don't, I don't know, I've been to so many. Like I wanted Egypt to be beautiful, that place is a dump, like that's, don't go there. I went to Scotland, gosh, that's beautiful. Have you ever been to West Virginia? That's a dump. Um, but there's like, you know, it's called West Virginia, almost heaven. Like it ain't, it ain't quite there. Like, but there's, there's beautiful places, but nothing nothing comes to comparison of the Garden of Eden. And listen, it was the perfect place in the perfect setting, and God put the perfect person, man, that he created in his image. And he planted perfect in the middle of perfection. That's the garden. That's That's what Adam lived in. And it was just this imagery of perfection. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and for good food. If, you, if you're, a, if you're a, a, a writer in your Bible, I would encourage you to write in your, in your Bibles. Some of us wanna believe that this, this is so holy, we can't write, listen, it's paper bound by leather, but it is God's word that's in there, so you should make some notes in there as God speaks to you. And so I would, I, I, I did, and, and I would encourage you right here, Uh, That God wants us to have everything that He has to offer. Like, listen, God is a God of plenty. God is a God of plenty. And let me tell you why I point that out. Most of you have been brought up on a theology that's not that. Most of you have been brought up on this theology that I can't have anything and I got to live by the bare necessities and God doesn't want me to have any of the things of the world. That is not true. God created the garden of Eden and created in it everything that was in it. And he said, live by it and it is good. We're, 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 gonna, we're gonna get to the bad in just a second, but I just want you to focus on this is good. And God wants you to live in abundance. Listen, this isn't prosperity gospel that if you give me $100, God's gonna give me a million. This is take everything that God has offered you because he has created it for you. And so live in the abundance of what God has. All right, and he says, the tree of life was in the midst of the garden. Say this with me, what tree? The tree of life. The tree of life was in the garden. Now, now, just from teaching this for the past several years, some of you are now surprised that there is two trees. There is a the tree of life and the tree tree of knowledge of good and evil. Say this word with me, knowledge, knowledge. There's two trees, the tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life is this plethora of plenty. Everything that God has to offer is there. And singular, there's this one thing called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Two trees, so the tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now I wanna talk about this tree of knowledge of good and evil that most of us are familiar with. This is the imagery where Eve, she's naked, but she's got long hair covering up all the parts. And she's got this apple that looks similar to a Mac computer where she's taking a bite out of it. Y'all know the image I'm talking about? And so this is the image that we have of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge is simply this. Knowledge is what you know, it's what you believe. It's your worldview, it's how you see things. You see, here in the South, we have a different worldview of church than someone, say, of Korea, or someone of Scotland. Different different worldview. The things that we've been taught, the knowledge that we have makes things look differently. Uh, I guess an example is this. My background, my history, uh, I have a Christian education background. So I have went through this thing pretty thoroughly. I've been taught the idiosyncrasies of this, of the scripture. I know how to think through scripture. I've been taught the scriptures. I've been taught Greek My my wife learned it better than I did, Um, but they have some helps for that. Uh, But the the Hebrew, you can go through this. I I know how to parse it. I know how to break it apart. And so when I listen to somebody preach, I have vast knowledge of what it takes to preach. And so I listen to someone preach differently than you listen to someone preach. Lee hates to sit with me when I'm listening to someone else preach because I have knowledge and so I want to tell her all my knowledge about how, what they're doing. And so I, I look at it. Some of you are musicians. And so when other musicians are playing, you, you look at music differently. Some of you are handymen. You're workers. You know how to do construction. You, and so you look at things differently. Your worldview, your knowledge, shapes how you see things. This all comes from Knowledge. It's it's how we see things. All right. So, having that information, go to verse 16 with me. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden. Go have it. Have it all. Live life to its fullest. Live large. Live in abundance. You see, a lot of us, and especially here in America, a lot of us and some of you came out of this time, this history, where America lost everything. And so we lived with a cap on it. And so that came from our grandparents' generation. And so our parents was taught to live that way. And so now this instant generation of today, we live a little differently, but it's always in the back of our mind and there's an older generation that's condemning the younger generation for living too large. Now I'm not saying live in debt. I'm saying live with everything that God offers you. Have it and have it to its fullest. Live in freedom. Live in abundance with all that God has. You see, our worldview has shaped that we need to live with a cap on everything. Now, I'm not, I'm not preaching a finance message here. There's wisdom in having a cap. There's a wisdom in, in having savings. There's wisdom. I'm not saying to not have those things. What I'm saying is all that God has to offer, live in the abundance of him. He created the garden, eat it. Eat, the word eat literally means to consume, to ingest, to bring in. It is good. It is good. Have all that God has for you. But, if I can say this without offending anybody, it's a big but. If you take that personally, you're reading it wrong. That's a big but. It's a big but. God says, have life to its fullest. Consume all that I have for you. But, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat it. Don't go there. Because <laughs> for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. You see, they now have knowledge and knowledge shapes their worldview. They now have knowledge and they're depending on their knowledge so when we have the knowledge we are faced with two choices and when we're faced with two choices we have to decide on how we're going to live how we're going to act the two choices is this the one choice is external we have an external choice that we can make all right let me explain that this this isn't 100% true Of people, but it's probably 80% true of most people. Most people come to church that have been disconnected from God and disconnected from church, and I'm talking about adults here. Most of those people come to church because they're in some hardship in life. There's some struggle. There's something happening in their life. So they come to church. So they come to church. They're looking for answers. They're looking for God to do something. And so the pastor says, you need to pray more hey, you know what, you need to fast. You're not like, you don't need to eat for the next 21 days and God's gonna bless you. And so 30 days later, you're like, I'm coming to church every week, I'm praying every day, I've even fasted, I'm starving to death and I hadn't seen God do anything. It's because it's a works mentality. If I pray harder, read my Bible more, come to church fast, God's gonna automatically bless me. That's the tree of knowledge. I know that the Bible says that if I do these things, God will bless me. You see the knowledge base? The other choice is internal. God is drawing me to be amongst his people. And I love him so much, I need to talk to him every day. I can't can't make decisions without him. And so, you know what, there's things that are cluttering up my life and it's, it's hard for me to hear God and so I just need to eliminate all those things out of my life so that I can hear God. Do you see the difference? One's an external, let me set rules and boundaries and God's gonna somehow appear. The other is, let me listen to God and all these other things begin to make sense. I would be willing to bet that most of us today live out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Someone has told you, or you have read the Bible, you have done these things, and you're like, you know what? If I'll just stop cussing, and if I'll stop drinking, and if I'll stop hanging out with the people who do those things, and I start coming to church, and I hang out with a better class of people, my life's gonna get better. That may be true for a season. And I would even be willing to bet this. That there are many of you in here today that may or may not be following God, but you're following His rules. You don't have any peace, and you're struggling to understand God, what is happening. I'm doing all the right things. Can I just tell you, this, this is a slippery slope. I, I grew up in a church that, that many of you are familiar with this style, that uh, in order to come in, I had to have on a suit with like, th- this wouldn't work. These are dungarees from that age. Like you couldn't wear these in church. You had to have on dress pants. If you didn't, you were definitely going to hell. But that wasn't a joke, like, that was serious. If you're gonna have respect to come into the temple, and so these, these rules, like you couldn't listen to a certain style of music. And you can't, you can't, it's it is a life full of don'ts. Can, can we go back in scripture and God said, I planted everything in the garden and have it and have it with abundance? God is a life full of do's. Did you get me? God is not a life full of don'ts. God is a life full of do. God is saying, I've got life and I have it in abundance for you. Live life and live it to its fullest. But there is a tree that you must not consume. And when you do, it's gonna change everything. Now listen, if you pass the age of about three or four or five, you probably done ate from the tree. You you done ate from the tree. Some of you ate from the tree a long time ago. Long, long, much longer than a long time ago. But you've ate it. You've consumed it. You've ingested it. Now, now the question becomes why? But why, did, why, why can't I just make the choice to not do that? Well, you, you could have. But let me, let's, let's continue in Scripture. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So you remember the story? This talking snake comes up to Eve. Let me just give you a heads up. If you ever find yourself in the woods and there's a snake talking, don't listen. Something ain't right. But this this, this was a new world for Adam and Eve. And, and they didn't know that takes, the snakes weren't supposed to talk. And and this was like it was like, what? Man, Adam, check this out. He's a talking snake, man. Like we hadn't seen this one yet. And it was it was sort of this neat, encouraging kind of a and and listen, listen to what the talking snake said. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? You know, see see how he craftily spun that? And can I tell you that many of you have listened to that same voice? I can't have any of these trees. I can't have, I can't, can't do it. Can't have anything that life has. All can't do it. Did God say that? God didn't say that. But see, he's, he's spinning her. He's, he's, he's spinning her. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. Like God created all this for us. We can, we can have it. And so this sounds like they're speaking the same language. Any of you husbands ever have that conversation with your wife? Like, you think you're having the same conversation. It's like, what I didn't what that went wrong. That's never happened to me, but I've heard, I've heard of that happening. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you will die. Sin will take you further than you ever anticipated it taking you. Don't touch it, don't smell it, don't get around it, don't be a part of it. And so what do we do? We set up rules to not touch it, to not smell it, to not get around it. And suddenly we begin to live by the rules. There's a heart of the message here. God says, eat of the tree of life. Not, and there's an abundance of that, not from this one crafty little tree. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely die. For God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be opened. Worldview changes. And you will be like God, knowing what is knowledge. Shapes our worldview, shapes how we see things. Knowledge of good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for her, You see how that spun right around? God said, don't eat of that tree. And the serpent said, but if you do, you'll have knowledge. Now, I want you to be careful as you listen to me, okay? Many of you have been taught your whole life that if you will come to church, if you will pray, if you won't cuss, if you won't drink, if you'll do all the right things, and don't do any of these other things, you're gonna die and go to heaven. Long as you pray a prayer and say, God, forgive me of that. The serpent has spoken. The serpent has spoken. God didn't say that. God didn't say, don't, 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 do, 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 because that's probably what it is, is do, do. God said, fall in love with me. Eat of what I have to offer you, nothing else. And many of you have lived your life coming to church, living by a set of rules, and saying, look, I don't hang out with those people. Look, I don't drink, I don't cuss, I go to church, I know the Bible, I can tell the stories better than you can. That doesn't mean that you have a relationship with Jesus and you're eating from the tree of life. That simply means that you have knowledge and your worldview is different than that of a person who blatantly sins. Like, we're really good about that in the South. That's why it's called the Bible Belt. How many churches did you pass on the way here? Everybody goes to church. If everybody went to church, we probably wouldn't be living in the mess we're in. Because listen, it doesn't have to do with your church attendance. What it has to do is your relationship with Jesus. There's a, hu- there's a huge difference. Huge, huge difference. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was the delight to the eyes, look, sin is good for a season. If it ain't, you ain't doing it right, and so I can, I can probably give you some tips, but we probably shouldn't. But sin is good for a season. It's because the serpent is crafty. The enemy wants to suck you in. And that the tree was to be desired and to make one wise. She took of its fruit and she ate. I want to be like God. I want information. I want to know how to make choices. I want to know right and wrong. I need to know all these things. I need to know. I need to know. I like I need to know. Many of you have had an insatiable desire for the Bible for many years. It surpasses your desire for God. You've had an insatiable desire for information. So why Christian education took off in the '70s and '80s. We had an insatiable desire to have information, and it surpassed our insatiable desire for God. It was the serpent spinning his web, if you will. Live based off of knowledge. Don't, 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 don't. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Do you understand what's happening here? is you're not living by the Holy Spirit speaking to you, you're living by something else. You're living out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's intriguing, isn't it? <clears throat> the tree was able to be desired and make one wise, and she took of its fruit and she ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Now listen, let's don't blame Eve for all this. Adam sat back and said, she's a weaker vessel. I'm supposed to be the leader. I'm not really sure what we should be doing here. That darn tree is pretty enticing. Eve, check that out. Husbands, I want to preach an entire message series on this in February. You're supposed to be the leader of your household. That should have been Satan talking to him, but he wasn't doing his job. So if you want to know where sin entered the world, it wasn't here. It was when he made the decision to not lead his wife. Both of their eyes were opened. They were enlightened. They now had knowledge. They knew they were naked. Listen, you came into this world naked. You came into this world naked because that was the purest way to come in. You were without shame. Listen, when my kids were little, they would all the time run through the house naked. If I was to run through the house naked, there's something wrong with that, right? There's something, if you do that, that ain't right. Don't do that. The reason we cover ourselves is because of sin. There's an impurity that goes with that. We came in pure, but we ate of the fruit and now we have to be covered. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They covered up the areas. They covered these things up. You see, when they opened their eyes, they knew. They now had a worldview they now had knowledge to make decisions. They knew that, hey, if I drink this, if I go here, if I do this, I now know that these things are bad. But if I do this, I now know things are good. It's a tree of knowledge. And my personal belief, I guess, Is that the church is full of people who live out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? We're not very life giving. We're rules oriented. We're judgmental. We're critical. All those things. Let me, let me ask you this Have you ever seen somebody that was judgmental, critical, and not life giving? Let me see your hands if you've been around that person. <laughs> that means you're living out of the tree of life. You can't criticize people if you're living out of the tree. I mean, you're living out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can't criticize people if you're living out of the tree of life because you're living for him. Like, I, I'm sorry. Most of us live out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I want to be very cautious in how I say this, but, but, but I would be amiss if I didn't. Just because you prayed a prayer one time because you had an emotional response to sin and now you have knowledge based on what to do right and wrong doesn't mean that you're saved. I'm gonna explain to you how you know with assurance of your salvation. You ready? My wife and I have been married for 20 plus years. There's not a day that goes by that I don't hunger to hear her voice. If we're apart from each other, I want to call her on the phone. But better than that, I want to try and FaceTime her because I want to see her. I want the essence of her. I want to hear her. And it's not because I'm afraid that she's going to go have an affair if she doesn't see me every day. It's because my desire for her is so strong. if you're reading your Bible every day or you only read your Bible when you're in trouble, if you come to church just because you're scared of going to hell, listen, the thing that should be drawing you is the relationship, not the rules. It's pretty heavy teaching, isn't it? Golly. They were naked. Just think about somebody naked. It lightens everything up. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths because they needed to cover up the sin. They needed to cover up the shame. They needed to cover up what was wrong. And so the tree of knowledge of good and evil, this choice that we make says, I must do more. I gotta do more. I got to pray more. I got to fast more. I got I to gotta do all these things more. Tree of life, tree of life says this. Jesus has already done it. Jesus has already done it. You don't need to do anything else. Listen to my words very carefully. You don't need, you don't need, you don't need to do anything else. Jesus has already done it. He's already done it. It's already been accomplished. Check this out. You search the scriptures because you think, knowledge, that in them you have eternal life. (laughs) And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. John was saying that that many people scour the Scriptures and they want to know the information about God. And I'm going to search the Scriptures to know that I know. But have you searched the heart of God? Have you listened for His voice? Or are you just starving for information? Do you see the difference in the tree of knowledge of good? Many of us live out of the tree of knowledge of good. But God says, I've got something better. I've got something that is fulfilling. I've got something that is life-giving. I've got something that will change your forever. And there is an abundance of it. Live out of the tree of life tree of knowledge says this, I'm trying to get God's approval. If I pray more, if I come to church, if I do the 21-day fast, if I stop cussing, if I stop looking at porn, if I stop doing all these things, God's going to think better of me. Okay? Here's what the tree of life says, Jesus already loves you. Jesus already loves you. Yeah, you need to stop doing all those things, but I don't need to tell you to stop doing those things. The one who loves you more than I do will tell you to stop doing those things. See, the mission of Westside Baptist Church is this, is to see you take one step closer to Jesus. I want to see you take one step closer to Jesus. Not because of anything that I do, but because of the Holy Spirit, the voice of God speaking to you, drawing you closer to Him. It is a far better way to live. And it's a lot less condemning. When you begin to truly live by Him, this is the key passage of this whole series. But God shows His love for us, that while we were still sinners... He knew that you were looking at porn. He knew that you were having an affair. He knew that you were reading your Bible because you felt like you had to. He knew that you were coming to Sunday school because you needed more information. He knew that while you were still a sinner, he climbed up on the cross and they drove nails through his wrists and they nailed his feet to the cross and they stood it up and his body slammed to the ground. And life began to leave and the blood began to pour and his body was broken. And he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. They know not. Christ died for you while you are living in your sin. Many of you need to hear this voice today. Christ died for you right now where you are, how you're living right now. He's already died for you. He's already done it. So what do I need to do? What is my next steps? Like I don't I don't know how to tell you to do this. <laughs> Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Listen, I'm a pastor because I love the local church and I honestly believe that the world will be changed through the local church. I think you need to come to church. I think you need to give a portion of your finances to the local church so that it can flourish. I think you need to give a portion of your time to the church so that it can flourish. But listen, if you're in love with the church more than you're in love with Jesus, you just missed it. Fall in love with Jesus. And listen, when you fall in love with Jesus, you can't help but fall in love with his bride. You'll love his bride, the church. If you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. What? How am I I supposed to know that I'm to read my Bible if I can't go off of rules? How, How am I supposed to know? what? Listen, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, the same Holy Spirit that led Jesus to the cross, the same Holy Spirit. You're not getting it. He lives in you. He is in you. He fills you. He changes your life. And listen, most of you are going to live and you're going to miss it. Listen, stop living by the rules. Stop living by the flesh. Stop living by your desires. Stop living by, fall in love with Jesus. Gosh, man, I wish I could preach today. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with him. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. The reason that we struggle falling in love with Jesus is because I can't touch him, I can't feel him, I can't see him. And there's a mystery to this, and, and I don't know what to do, but I know that if I follow the rules, if I, if I dress right, if I act right, if I do all these things, I'm going to look better to the world. And listen, the world is going to condemn you to hell. But Jesus says, I saw you in your pureness And listen, I know that you have sinned against me. So therefore, I climbed up on a cross and I died. I gave my life. My blood was poured out and my body was broken so that you may have life to its fullest. And the spirit that lived in me now lives in you and you can live life free, free, So what is the next step after that? You serve God through relationships. You serve God through a relationship. Listen, discipleship is not Sunday morning, Sunday school education. That ain't what it is. Sunday school is sitting down and saying, you know what, I don't know what to do. Well, let's just talk to God about it. You know, God speaks this to me. What's he speaking to you? And as you serve God through the relationships and your relationship with God gets better. I'm telling you, Lynn, I've been married for 20 plus years and I am more in love with that girl today than I was the day I married her. And it's because I've lived a relationship with her. I know how she thinks and what she's going to do and she knows the same for me. Listen, our relationship with Jesus is even better than that live a life a relationship. Don't think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Like I, did, I didn't come to do away with what I tell you is right and wrong and how to live. I have come to fulfill it. And the Holy Spirit now lives in you. Let me put it to you this way. The tree of life is the decisions that you make. I mean the tree of knowledge is the decisions that you make. The tree of life is the decisions that the Holy Spirit that consumes you makes and it pours through you. I've had people recently tell me, well, you know, preacher, I prayed about it and God said this, and I've just been bold enough to tell them God ain't said that to you. One, because it's not here. And two, because God loves his church too much to tell you that. You're being selfish, you're living in sin, and you need to stop that. And can I just tell you that some of you need to look some people in the face and say, Stop condoning sin. God doesn't work that way. And listen, you need to stop making decisions. And you need to let the Holy Spirit of God speak to you and let Him pour through you. And listen, this is a general statement of mine, but I don't ever want you to doubt your salvation. I don't want you to doubt your salvation. I want you to think this morning, Am I saved? am I living out of a relationship with Jesus? Or am I living out of rules? Because there's not a person in this room that I want to see depart and go to hell. And so I just got to be bold enough to tell you that God's got a better life and he wants you to live out of the Holy Spirit. And can I just tell you that when we have a room full of people this size living out of the Holy Spirit, it is so contagious that all of middle Georgia will come to know Jesus. The reason I know that is because it happened in Acts chapter two. There was a group of about 120 people that were filled with the power in the presence of Jesus and the entire region was changed. And that can happen today. But listen, it's because of what God wants to do through you. Dear Heavenly Father, God, as we close this time together this morning, God, my heart is so burdened that we'd not live... Out of knowledge. God, my heart is burdened that many of us live out of knowledge. We know what's right, we know what's wrong, and so therefore, that's what guides us. But God, I just compel up on you this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit, the God that you would just pour down your power on this place today. The God that, as we sang earlier, <laughs> Holy Spirit fill this place. God, may we see revival come to our land. God, may you do an incredible work in us and through us. Holy Spirit, would you just move in the hearts of these people today. God, may we understand if we've been living out of a tree of knowledge. God, may we have the boldness to confess it today. God, if we've been living out of a tree of life, God, may we live it and live it in abundance and live to the fullness. And God, may we live free, indeed, free. God, may we live free for you, free of all the rules, free of all the regulations, free of all the stuff. But God, bound by a relationship with you. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you into this place today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, as you prepare yourselves to to enter into a time of worship as we close the service. I just want to I just want to make sure that every head is bowed, every eye is closed. And I just want you, wherever you are, if you're listening in online, talk to Jesus about your relationship with him. Do you have a relationship with him? Or do you have a relationship with the scripture, relationship with the church? Listen, don't don't let the serpent speak to you and take you down a slippery slope. You, you, You know that God's speaking to you, you can feel it, you can sense it. I believe that God is speaking to some of you in here this morning about salvation. Listen, God is not the author of confusion. The enemy is. But listen, if God is speaking to you about salvation, a prayer won't save you. Falling in love with Jesus and giving your life to him will. But we generally start that relationship by talking to him. And we call that prayer. And just right there, wherever you are, begin to call out to him, dear Jesus. God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. God, I confess to you that that I don't know you. God, I confess to you that I've been living by the rules and not out of relationship. And God, I wanna change that today and I wanna give my life. I I want to die, Jesus, to myself and I wanna give my life to you. If that's you, if God is speaking to you, I promise you nobody's looking around. This is just me and you. If God is speaking to you and you're saying, Pastor, man, I, <laughs> today I, I need to enter into a relationship with Jesus. Today I need to give my life to him. I, I'm gonna ask you to do a couple of things. And the first thing is I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. The second thing is I'm gonna ask you to just check it on your communication card. Put your name on there. You can drop it in the basket when you leave. But I want to be like, I don't want you to make a decision and me not be able to talk to you and pray with you. But if God is speaking to you today about salvation, I want you to just slip your hand up. Look at me, make eye contact with me. Let me know that that's you. Anybody else? Thank you, darling. Thank you. Anybody else? If God is talking to you about, do you have a relationship with him? As Justin begins to lead us in this song, here I am again, down on my knees. Listen, I want you to spend these next few minutes praying. I want you to spend these next few minutes seeking him. And if he is speaking to you about salvation, I'm gonna be up front. Some folks on our prayer team is gonna be up front. Listen, don't don't let condemnation of what others may think about you holds you back from having all that God has for you. So if those of you that are going to pray with me will be part of my prayer team, if you guys will come on up as Justin begins to lead us, I want you to just stand with me, church. And if God is speaking to you, you want to pray, you want to come talk to one of us, you come. If you just want to come pray at the altar, you come.